Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and on this episode, I was pleased to welcome back a great friend of the podcast, writer-director Phil Giovanno. Now, throughout the years, Phil and I have always had some really interesting conversations, but I have to be honest with you, I never thought we would have a conversation like the one we're having today. You know, we're going to take a little time and we're going to break down the future of the entertainment industry over the next year to two years. It turned out to be a really interesting and fascinating conversation because, look, we don't have all the answers. You know, the a lot of this is speculation, but a lot of it is also based on some hard realities that the entertainment industry is facing. Now, Phil has worked inside the entertainment industry for 30 plus years, and he always brings fascinating insight to these conversations. And this time was no different. So ladies and gentlemen, I am, again, incredibly pleased to welcome back writer-director Phil Giovanno. Phil, welcome back. How are you? Thanks so much, Dana. I'm, I'm, I'm good as can be expected in our current environment. Um, but no, doing well and, uh, you know, just hunkered down and hanging out. Can you talk a little bit about your current environment? You're in, you're in California. You're in yes. Los Angeles. Uh, when did you sort of get whispers of what was going on? And then when, what sort of became your, your reality now? I say that because I, I have been at this my house now for five weeks straight. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm yeah. just curious what your reality is and when you sort of got whispers of it. Well, yeah, I mean, I was I, I'm kind of a news junkie. So, you know, I knew I knew back, I guess, in probably late January, or February, early February, what was going on in China and was watching that. And I just thought to myself, well, how do you keep that from spreading around the world? I mean, we live in. A completely, you know, connected society now, um, and uh, with all kinds of forms of travel, and and uh, I just thought to myself, well, this is this is coming. Now, did I think it was going to come and and end up being this big? No, no, I didn't think I didn't think we'd end up being, you know, shutting down our society, uh, shutting down America. I, I didn't think that, but you know, once it once it hit, I started really reading. I mean, I got to where I was, I've probably read thousands and thousands of articles at this point about this situation, you know, from a, you know, from a viral standpoint and an economic standpoint, and of course, the entertainment standpoint, um, you know, because that's the business I work in. And then, but then, all, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by what's going on in the meatpacking industry right now. I'm fascinated by, you know, what, what's going on in the restaurant industry and what's, you know, what all the various industries that are impacted and those that are you know, uh, growing because of it. And those are obviously the majority that are shrinking. And so it is, it is, um, harrowing and scary and also fascinating because it's a, well, we haven't gone through this as a nation or really a world, uh, the world in 102 years, you know, not since 1918. And so, you know, it, it, it's, it's a hundred year event. You know, this is a hundred year event we're in and you can't compare it to anything else besides the last. A uh, massive virus that hit the world, and I guess that would be the Spanish flu, you know, by all accounts. And so, anyway, so I guess it was around March 13th that that you know schools finally closed here. They announced the, the school closures here, um, at least in our area, in Pasadena, California. And and but I, you know, kind of felt like that was coming for about a week. So yeah, since since yeah, about five weeks, same here. We've been just here in our home, my my wife and three kids and I. And you know, that part of it I cannot complain. We we live in a great area and have a great family and 
luckily a great relationship with my wife and, <laughs> and my adore my kids who are, who are um, six, nine and 10 and uh, about to be 11. And, and so, you know, they're at great ages and every day I help them with school and so does my wife. And we go through our little morning afternoon school rituals and then goof around and, and, uh, yeah, there, there is, if there is any silver lining to this in, in our situation is that it, it is, um, I know I'm learning things about my kids and their education and, and I'm learning about, you know, how they interact with different subjects and, and, um, different tasks and, and challenges. And I think that's, you know, in a way that, that you can hear about school and you can see grades and you can get teacher conference, you have these teacher conferences and get the input. But there's nothing like going through, like literally going through math, literally going through spelling and grammar and the reading process. I mean, we do that, some of that stuff, obviously, in homework, but not the whole school day's worth. And now I, I'm sure that many, many, many parents out there are going through a full version of a school day with their children. And I do find it like really interesting and insightful and I, uh, in terms of my, the way each of my kids processes information and, and, uh, approaches um, problem solving, um, where their strengths and weaknesses are that I might not, I mean, I had a feeling for I'm very, very in, involved with my family, but, but this has been, you know, much more granular and uh, that's been interesting. And we've, we've all bonded over it. When you're looking at their curriculum, do you ever, is there ever a time when you're going, Oh, this is way more than I was learning when I was their age. Or do you oh. feel like the curriculum is right on par with when we oh, were no. in school? Oh my God. I'm like, you know, they're writing these argumentative essays in fourth grade that I was doing in eighth grade. Oh, no, seriously. It's it's at least in many areas, three and four years more advanced than I was put through in my era. And it's oh, it's it's shocking. Um, um, the and, and the volume is shocking, too, to me, like the, the amount that is being thrown into their lap, even considering it's being done at home. So I'm sure it's even more when they're in school and uh, you know, we're surprised by the amount of homework that my, my fourth grader gets and, and third grader at this point. So yes, absolutely. It's, it's more advanced. I mean, more than a a few times I've had to Google certain situations (laughs) to try to figure out what in the heck is going on here. But uh, yeah, no, they're, they're into things that, that I definitely was not into in, in third and fourth grade. Yeah, no. And, uh, you know, there's a part of me that just wonders what it would have been like if we were that age going through what they're going through. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just a. Oh, I'd, I'd have just thrown in the towel. I'd have been like, I'd have been such a pain in the butt. I'd, I'd have not wanted to do any of it. Yeah. I'd have been, what's the point? We're not even getting grades. I'm not in class. Oh, my God. I just can't imagine how I would have tried to slough all this off. And my, my poor mother and father, you know, just ripping their hair out. But. In this case, I have to say my kids have been really great about it. I mean, yeah, you know, tears have been shed and there are days that are that are better and days that are worse. But overall, we've now gotten into a rhythm. I've got and I think a big thing that that I would say for us and is that you have to prioritize too. you can't some days you just can't do everything they throw at you like it's too much to ask of a kid that's doing it on a screen in a home. There's just you know, there's not that structural 
environment that you have in a school with, you know, kind of the peer pressure and the authority figure up front and everyone should be following along. And if you're not, you're in trouble, et cetera. That, that doesn't really exist at home. You know, I try to explain to my kids that you have a different mindset at school than you do at home, you know, and, and it's, it's just like, uh, professionally, you have a different mindset at work than you do at home. And so I try to say, you've got to try to put your school mindset, put your school hat on while you're at home, while we're quote in school and do your best, you know, but sometimes it just doesn't work. And it's sometimes, sometimes you should say, you know what, look, reading, here's, here's my attitude on it. Reading, writing, and arithmetic for my kids, you know, third and fourth grade and kindergarten. And if we're hitting those, they're reading, they're doing well in their writing and they can do their, their arithmetic that's asked of them. And in the most general sense, we're going to be fine. Okay. You know, I can't imagine what it's like having high schoolers right now. Uh, you know, some some kid in his junior year worried about college and worried about grades and worried about all that in this scenario. That to me would be an incredible nightmare. And then the emotional upset of a senior not getting to go through all the rituals and traditions that a senior gets to go through. Um, all that being taken away from them, not to mention the fear that there may not be really a freshman year in college to go to. Yeah. There may not be a senior year for those juniors to go to. I, I'm not optimistic about that. And so, and, and you can already see the hints of it. You can already see they're already starting to slowly, various universities are trickling out. Well, we're trying to decide because they don't know. There's no way to know. So what's going to happen in September? So for me, we're lucky. We're very, 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 I feel very lucky. I mean, in that we're, we're here in this home. We're not having huge battles um, on, on any level. Um, I can't complain. I really can't complain. And in fact, I love being around my family. It's my favorite thing. Filmmaking used to be my favorite thing, but sorry, movies. My family took, <laughs> took, took that over, few, you know, when I, when I finally got married and had kids. And um, so, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's been fine. What about for your, for your line of work, for you, you specifically? Now, <clears throat> uh, well, actually, I guess there's a few questions I want to ask. Are you working from home? And are you, how often, if the answer is yes, how often do you actually frequent or, or actually leave your house? Is it just for essentials? What? Yeah. We, we, well, so as far as leaving the house goes, I mean, we've tried to really keep it to a minimum. We've been doing deliveries when you can, because they're not always available. There is just, it's swamped, as we all know, those delivery services uh, for groceries. I've done uh, the grocery uh, shopping, you know, and, and initially we were told masks were not good. Let the, let the professionals have the masks and don't buy masks, as we all know. And then eventually, oh, no, wait, 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 put on masks. So I, I shopped without a mask until they said, put on a mask. And now I shop with, but I keep it down. Once every 10 days, maybe okay. I do the shopping. I really, you know, we try to get like 10 days worth, you know, we don't want to hoard and be crazy and psychos. And, and at the same time, you don't want to go, at least in my case, I don't want to go every three days. So we try to do a week to 10 days. So maybe I, I think the last time I went, because we, the, the deliveries have gotten better in our area. So it was two weeks ago. So I literally haven't been out of the house in over in two weeks or more. Wow you know, off my property. And, and not that I'm uh, like, uh, my wife just said today, Oh, we're running low on this and there. So I'll go tomorrow, you know, or maybe even later today. But, but you know, you, you, you suit up and you know, the way I look at it is I try to think of it as like, you know, a, a gooey substance that, that like anything I touch and anything I can, and, and, and or a like sarin gas or anything you can breathe, you know, you just gotta, got to, um, constantly be thinking that there is a potentially invisible, dangerous thing that could kill you. So, 
you know, I do all this stuff, you know, Dorella on the way in and on the way out and the masks and then dump the mask and all the safety precautions. But yeah, we've been, we've been pretty, I don't want to say strict because we're not freaking out. I mean, we know people who literally have not left their house in five weeks, period. If they yeah. can't get it delivered, they're not going. Like, so we do know people like that, you know, and, and that's fine. You know, everyone's got to have their own comfort level. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, we've done just, su- just supermarket shopping. That's it. Okay. I don't really know what day, what a day to day was like for you when you were working. Cause I know you're constantly doing mm-hmm. a lot of different things, but my question is, you know, are you able to work from home and, and how many hours a day are you able to devote to that? Cause I know you're, you said you're focusing a lot on, on the kids school. So I'm just wondering mm-hmm. what the professional side for you is like right now. Well, professionally, our industry shut down. Yeah. Dead, dead stop. Zero. I mean, there's no, I think that if you were the only two, I shouldn't say zero, because I think if you were on a show that was in post, you know, somewhere in post, obviously an editor could continue to work um, remotely with a director or producers. So in post, I suppose there's some post-production still happening, you know, from home, uh, from various homes. And then I would also say writers um, can also be, you know, meeting uh, remotely and, and having, uh, you know, story discussions and develop screenplays or series and episodes. And I, I, I know that's going on. So for me, being a director and and not having not being in a situation where I'm developing anything um, specifically with a company right now, it's just dead stop. I mean, there's no there's no film work. There's no TV work. There's no commercial work. Every director on the planet is dead stop. Huh. Um, there's there's no production. Uh, I know someone who did like a survey of all the, the major and minor production hubs. And there is no production worldwide that we, that we know of. And, and so, you know, and certainly nothing that, you know, a, a DGA member would be able, be able to do. I know there is some, there've been a few projects that have been done virtually. You're seeing these, um, you know, a lot of these kind of homemade commercials are on TV right now where people are doing it with their iPhones. And in a few cases, they've hired a director just to talk to those people in their homes about, you know, maybe where to put the camera and the better lighting or this, that, and the other. But so just like me sitting here talking to you, if you were, you know, filming a commercial in your home with your iPhone. So I know a teeny bit of that has happened, but on a, I mean, I've only heard one story of that happening, actually, to tell you the truth in our, in the entire commercial business. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's more than that. You know, it's, it's dead stop. It's, it's, there's, there's zero. So, so as far as how much I'm working, the answer is none. Um, not at all. I did. I don't know if I, I mentioned this to you last time we spoke, but I, I did. So I did start a novel and yeah. a fiction, a fiction. And I finished that. Um, so, you know, that took me about two years to write. So that, you know, going through all the revisions of that and, and working on that, that that's taken up a lot of my time, but that's done now. And I just started getting that out to agents and publishers and then the virus hit. So it kind of put a, uh, really slowed that process down, which, you know, I don't know where any of that will lead, but but that was what I was putting a lot of my, you know, non-directing time into. See, there's a lot of questions I've got here, especially with what you mm-hmm. just talked about. But I want one more question. I want to go back just a little bit here and ask you, in your area, would you say the majority of the population is taking this serious? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. In my in, in Pasadena, California, which is what I'm exposed to the few times I've been out, a handful of times I've been out, it's, yeah, it's being taken. There, there's no one on the street. I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of traffic here and there, but, uh, you know, all the parks are closed. You don't see 
there's no one on the streets and there's not, it's, it's being taken very seriously, you know, so far, like I say, though, I haven't been out in a couple of weeks. So maybe, you know, as the debate rages, um, perhaps there are some that are starting to lean more toward, uh, you know what, this isn't as bad as we thought kind of thinking. Um, but in our little circle of friends that it's being taken very seriously. And then, and then from what I've seen, which is again, not a very large sample at all, I would say yes, but we're not in, yeah, we're not in one of those scenarios where there's a lot of dissent about, about staying, staying in. I can assure you that I am in one of those scenarios. Oh, I bet you are. In in the area that I'm in right now. I, um, I very rarely leave the house at all. And it seems to me that when the White House issued the guidelines for reopening the states, you know, the guidelines, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people in, in the area I live in and other parts of the, perhaps other parts of the country, took that as the all clear. That's like a switch went off going to the grocery store where the majority of people had been wearing masks. And now when I go, I am in the minority of people that are wow. wearing masks. So I don't even try to go anymore. Like I'm, oh, man. so it's, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm yeah, inc- no, ours are all still, everyone's masked up and all that. That's encouraging to hear See, that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think that everyone gets to make their own choices in our country. So, so that's the way it is and that's the way it's set up. But I do think that this is a an illness you do not want to go through. You know, this from what I've read, yes, there are mild versions, but if you get it, and even even if you get it, you don't have to go on a ventilator and you don't, you know, but you get it and suffer through two, three weeks of this, just just Google what it's like to have, you know, COVID-19. And oh my gosh, the stories are harrowing. Yeah. They're really, and then there can be permanent damage. There can be damage to your lungs. There can be damage to your kidneys, your liver. They even say there can be even brain, some brain functioning can, can, you know, you, you could have lasting effects that could affect your, the rest of your life and or your lifespan. And the other thing is too, so let's say you get it and it's mild and you don't get that sick, but then let's say you give it to someone you know, and then they have to go through it or your wife or your, or your mother or father or, or grandparent. I mean, I just don't see how at this point in time when there is no treatment, there is no known treatment, period, no matter what various headlines say, they're trying things, but there's no known treatment that really knocks it out, that knocks it back. I just don't see how you can risk that or should risk that. Even if you're willing to risk it for yourself, remember, you can get it and give it to others. Yeah. And and that's the problem is that fortunately... While it is an individual choice, what happens to you, it's not an individual choice if you become a carrier and give it to others. Then then you're impacting probably people you, you know and love, not strangers, but the very people you wouldn't want to come down with this. So, I, you know, we I, I, my theory is to I mean, just on a personal level, my theory, my my position, my family's position is that we are going to ride this out on the safe side for as long as it takes. Yeah. It is not to be messed with. It can kill at any age. This whole thing that we originally thought, oh, it's, you know, oh, it won't get me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not old enough. Well, that's been just proven wrong. It can kill anyone. It can kill, I mean, it kill like marathon runners, people yeah. doing incredibly with no prior um, issues. And so, you know, I'm sorry. It's just like not, I, I can hunker down long. I, if I have to do a year, you have to do a year, I can do a year. I'll do a year. I can do two years. I mean, I'm not, t- I'm not talking financially. I'm not talking economically, but I'm talking psychologically. I'll do whatever it takes 
to keep my family safe, period, period. And if that means, you know, we have to make adjustments on many, many, many other levels, fine. What's more important than being alive and healthy and, and safe? I mean, I, you know, I understand food and shelter. Yes. You know, and I have my, my feelings about what I think our government should be doing in that regard, but, but that they're not, but I, but yes, you need food and shelter, but you also need to be alive. So, yeah, no, really well said. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, echo those sentiments, uh, 100%. So, uh, you and I are on the same page about that. So yeah. I just happen to find myself in a, in a, in a situation where, it's just abundantly clear that people are not taking it as serious as I think they should. And I'll be the first to admit, Phil, that I was one of those people that bought, bought into those early headlines in late January and early February. Like, oh, this is not going to be that big of a deal. Like I, but I changed my mind. The more, yeah. the more I looked at it, the more the realities, I, I changed my mind. Sure. Uh, of course. And, and that's, you have to, you know, go with the facts as they become clearer and, and, that's what you did. And that's what I did. And that's what I think, I hope most people are doing. I I just, you know, I think for people who are risking it right now and are saying, I want, I need my freedom more than I, than I need to be safe. I would just say, you know, the greatest loss of freedom is death. Yeah. And the greatest, and even if it isn't for you watching someone else you love go through that or impairment for the rest of your life, um, because you, needed to go to the beach or you needed to go, I don't know, do whatever it was you had to do. You know, I just, I just think Americans should be tough enough, strong enough. And again, I am not talking about economically. Anyone who needs to go to work because they got to put food on the table and a, and a roof over their heads, I get it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those that can last, outlast this, whether it be through government help or savings or family help or whatever, I just think if you have that luxury, you should be mentally and physically able to stay in. Yeah. It's not prison. It's not prison. God, especially in today's day and age with the internet. Oh my gosh. I mean, I mean, going through this, oh, I guess people would have to read books, you know, (laughs) how horrible would that be? But anyway, I, I, I just, I just think American, you know, if we think we're tough, if you think you're really tough, Outlast it. Yeah. Well Suck said. it up and outlast it and get in there and protect your family and friends and other, your fellow Americans and just, you know, but I get it, you know, and then when I see those people working in the supermarket behind that counter, scanning the food I'm buying hour after hour, think of the thousands of people rotating in front of them. And early on, they had no masks. Now they do. I mean, how brave do those people have to be to yeah. stand behind that counter and just have Every walk of life come by them. You have no idea. And yeah, they finally put up the plastic barriers. But then when I run the credit card, there's no plastic barrier. And then when I get the cart, there's no plastic barrier. And then when I walk by them on the way out the door, there's no plastic barrier. Then when I'm by the guy restocking the produce, there's no plastic barrier. I mean, who's kidding who? And so, and we're not wearing, you know, N95 masks. Everyone's got these cloth things on, you know, that are, who knows how effective so I just think those people and the med- you know people in the medical profession and the people that are keeping the wheels uh, rolling that the most necessary I mean they're the ones that we should all be thanking and concerned about and um, uh, that are that are making the heroic effort you know so how how hard is it to stay at home versus that person who's got to go to the you know supermarket every day and get behind that counter yeah. I was just like 
please. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, you're right. And and we, we're not going to know for weeks, months, or maybe even years, the sacrifices mm-hmm. that, that those workers had to make. And I think- That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And hey, if they started saying we're shutting down supermarkets and uh, everything's just going to have to be delivered- um, you know, some certain way, and you're only going to be able to get this, this, and this. People forget there was rationing during World War II. You didn't get to have what you wanted whenever you yeah. wanted it. There was rationing. So we're not there yet. Everyone's like, oh, man, you know, I went. They didn't have, you know, the prime rib I wanted. It's like, give calm down. Oh, they're all out of, you know, frosted flakes, you know. Oh, and, and I, uh, you know, look. If those people just all said, I'm not doing it anymore, I would not blame them for even a millisecond. Like, I'd kind of be like, good, because I'm concerned about you. I don't think I'd save myself personally. And as we know, people have died, gotten sick and died. So, Well, I read an article a couple of days ago where there was the national grocery u- unions and whatnot. I'm just paraphrasing. I'm not hmm. saying that specifically. That's the correct title. Yeah, no, the no, there's a union, yeah. But they're, they're – they're pushing for exactly what you just said. Shut the stores down. Yeah. To curbside and delivery only. Uh, and I think it's uh, it's going to happen. I would think it would. I, I do too. I, I think it's going to happen too. I think that – I do. I just, I just think that we're – so if you want my little theory, I think that, that we did nationally, you know, look, under the current situation, we did as good a job as we could as a nation to, as they said, flatten the curve. And if you look at the curves, we they're, they're flatter. You know, they're still going up in some places, they're going down in some places, but essentially overall, they're flatter. And that's great. But if you looked at any of those projections, they made it look like it was a perfectly curved hump. You know, that you went up one side of the hill, you peaked, and then you went down the other side of the hill symmetrically. Well, that's not, we now know, how it works. The up (laughs) is very fast and the down is very slow and gradual and takes time. It's not like China. People want to compare us to China. That's it's black and white. It's it's not even close the way that country. I've shot in China. I've traveled in China. I've I've seen how China operates. I'm sure you know millions of other people have too. It is not the same as here. And I'm not going to go into why. I think it's pretty obvious that they can Im- impose restrictions in a way that America cannot, and nor should. So you so you know we've done a good job, but. Um, that gives a false sense of, you know, uh, safety. I'm like, oh, phew, we did it. You know, I always think of like at the end of the Dirty Dozen when John Cassavetes <laughs> yells and starts rolling away from the castle, we did it, and boom, he gets shot in the head, right? I always yep. think of that. And I always say to people before they celebrate too early, I say, don't be John Cassavetes in the Dirty Dozen, and you're the first person that's ever gotten the joke. But but you don't want to be John Cassavetes in the Dirty Dozen. Don't yell, we made it. I think he actually says we made it. And then get shot in the head by our, by the last like lone Nazi in the bushes. So I think that you know you you uh, we have not made it. We did not do it, and and it's still there. People said to me, "Oh," and this back to our back to entertainment. Say, someone said, "I I said when do you think production will come back?" And they said, "Oh, September. I think like by September production will be back up." And I said, "Oh," he said, "So how will the virus be different in September?" And the guy, the producer, he's like, "Oh, yeah." Okay, March Ugh, of next year. Of next year. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just saying what's different today about the virus? Not about us. What's different about the virus? Nothing. And who knows? Maybe it's even, it, it could be getting stronger. It could be getting weaker. But the point still is, as far as we know, it's the same thing we faced five weeks ago. 
And uh, for all we know, it'll be the same thing we will face in five weeks or 10 weeks or 15 weeks from now. So my mindset is to assume it's with us until otherwise notified. And that could be quite a while. Yeah, no, and I think you're right. And and we could we could check off all the boxes of what is probably going to happen in relation to things like sporting events. I know mm-hmm. you and I uh, share a passion oh. for the same team. Yes, we do. And we love the, I, lo- I love the NFL and it breaks my heart to say it, but I do not think there will be a season. And no, and uh, what was interesting about that is, of course, I live less than an hour and a half from Tampa, and there's big moves happening here in yep. this area. Here comes Tom Brady. And Rob Gronkowski now. Oh, my gosh. I and, know. <laughs> and and I have friends that are season ticket holders. And between a few of them, I was able to get myself locked into at least six games this year. Like, wow. oh, I, I'll bring you to this one. I'll bring you to that one. Oh. As the reality is, it's not going to happen. I just don't see how it happens. I, I, I mean, look, again. If miracles happen, so I'm not yeah. going to say miracles never occur. Yeah. So a miracle happened, but shy of a cure, right? A cure. Uh, because even if they go, oh, we've got this drug that that reduces symptoms or maybe gets you out of the hospital sooner, the question will still be, well, well can you die from it? So, And if the answer is no, then that would be a cure. If, if you can still die from it, then what are the percentages, et cetera, so it'll take time for that to sort out. And look, even for people in the stands, forget about that, the the athletes themselves, all the, let's take, for instance, football. Has anyone ever looked at the spit and snot and <laughs> goo and sweat that flies off those guys and into their every inch of their bodies, you know, whether from the sidelines to the game itself? And then I don't even can't even imagine what a Petri dish a locker room would be. Yeah. Talk about close quarters with with just bodily fluids. It's disgusting. But there we are. If that's what we're talking about, I just don't tell you protect those guys. And you and I know they'll try. I mean, training camp, they can open training camp if they want to try it. And the second they have a few guys go down, you know, get sick, that's that. It'll be over, just like what happened in the NBA. And and so I, I as much as I love it and as much as I want it to happen and people that love MLB and people love the NBA and soccer, I mean, I get it. But I just don't see how you protect the players. You can protect people by not having them come in. But as they've discussed, but I, I, I just, I just don't, to me, it's two plus two. Like, how are you going to, unless, and how are you going to get every single player to say, it's cool with me if I get it? Yeah. 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 You might get 60% to go, I'll take the risk. I want to get paid. I want to play. That could happen, but you can't have a league with 60% or 70%. And you've got the NFL Players Association that might say, I don't care what you say, no way. And then there's another thing of insurance and can you be insured? And can the sport be? And who's in, are you indemnified? And do you sign away your rights? And these are all the same, very, by the way, very same questions that are being raised in terms of production. So, you know, because production is also a closed quarters, nothing like sports, but a closed quarters activity. There's just no two ways about it. It is, it is not a, you know, something can be done from home. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I want it to not be true. Believe me, with every fiber of my being, I would love, I mean, like, hey, look, you know, I tuned into the draft last night. I haven't watched the draft in five years, you know, but I watched it because I'm in something, right? Um, it's also kind of fun to see inside everyone's houses and their little setups. And oh my God, Mike Vrabel has a lot of explaining to do, but setting that aside. <laughs> uh, and you got to love Andy Reid. Yeah. Like, he's, like, he's like in his rumpus room, like just. <laughs> eating and slurping and oh it's just awesome but anyway and, and belichick just sitting at like the kitchen counter all grumpy really fun but uh uh yeah so it kills me to say it but i am sorry i don't think you're gonna get 
any major league sports this year in 2020. I don't, I don't see it. Now, maybe there will be – now, remember, the cool thing about NFL, though, is we're just going to get off on that for a second. They can play year-round. Baseball yeah. can't, right, because baseball can't play in weather. So, you know, NFL could just say, you know what? We're running – we're going to start our season in January. Yeah, they sure And then we're going to run it into the summer. Why not? You know, and then we'll do a later start and then we'll slowly get back into our old start. But for a few years, we'll have a later start. You know, we'll, we'll stagger it and, and won't have to sign off on it. But it's not to say that the 2020 version is gone. It's just I have I don't believe it's going to start in September okay. or late August. You know, like that, I just don't think you're going to be able to have training camp without training camp. You can't have games, as we all know. And, and you know, then you can't. I just don't think you have training. But but that's not to say that there won't be a version of, you know, the up that, that it won't be a completely lost season. But again, without a vaccine, and we all know the vaccine 12 to 18, and it's actually worse than that, Dana. I mean, you know, the fastest a vaccine has ever been created in the history of the world is four years. Four years. Yeah, that's the fastest it's ever been. Now, there was never a full court press like there is now, ever. So chop it in half. Just say because everyone's trying to do it say two. And the reason you say that is that, remember, even if they get it figured out in a year, then you got to produce it for 7 billion people. And then, this will be really interesting, who gets it first? Okay, the medical workers. But then who gets it after them? And which country figures out? Does that country get it before other countries? Oh my gosh, can you imagine the wild stampede there is going to be once there's an announced vaccine? And that is going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. So then to get it manufactured and distributed successfully enough that enough people have it. So you're not worried about getting it from someone else that can take six months at the soonest. That's why they say a year to make it and then another six months to distribute it on the fastest track. Yeah. And one last little fun tidbit to make everyone really feel good. They have never successfully created a vaccine for a coronavirus. That's correct. So, so that's yeah. it. Is not is not as easy. I mean, you just say, look, everyone wants to say twelve to eighteen because who wants to say, oh, by the way, it probably won't happen. But only ten percent of any vaccine ends up of any vaccine trial ends up working. So you got a one out of ten chance. That's the statistics, and then the rest. So. I that's why I said you got to psychologically be prepared to hunker down for a year. That's my that's where I think it's at. And maybe we'll open and close, open and close and open and close. Not about the year will be. But if you want to really be safe. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. And uh, yeah, I think that's the reality that I think people, at least like you said, need to get themselves mentally prepared for. Yeah. They, they say that like they, I read this article about guys in, in, that were held in prison camps and they, they said, you know, the guys that always thought just next week we're going to bust out or next week they're going to liberate us. Or I heard a rumor that we're going to get. Prisoner exchange, those are the ones that tended to fade because they get their hopes up and crushed, hopes up and crushed, hopes up and crushed, and they finally just give up. And the guys are like, I'm going to be in here five years. It is what it is. You know, day at a time, five years. Psychologically, I'm looking five years before I get out of this place or more. And day at a time, those are the ones that ended up making it, at least according to this article. So um, that's why I'm looking at it. Like, like year, year and a half, however long it takes so my family's safe. I will just weather it. Yeah. And I have to look at, like, I've had these, I'm, I mean, I'm basically, I'm by myself for this five week period. You uh, know? That's tough, man, Dan. And that's, that's, you know, I lived alone for many, many years yeah. before I, before I got finally met my 
fantastic wife and got married. And I know how that feels. And that was, I, I was alone a lot of the time if I wasn't working. So I can't imagine how that's tough. That's very tough. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm thankful that I have the podcast as an outlet and I have, you want to talk about ramping up production. I've put out 11 episodes in a four week period when I was normally wow. doing three a month. And so, I mean, that's I'm, great. Good I started, I started doing YouTube live streams and I'm really starting to look into that because the reality that I'm starting to face and like I'm sitting out every morning with my coffee and listen, it's not the end of the world. Like it used to be, I would have to get up, go to work at 10 o'clock in the morning. I would wake up around seven. I'd enjoy some coffee outside, watch some YouTube videos, whatever. But I was always on the clock, you know, like I always, right. I got to leave soon. Now I can just do it at my leisure, which is not the worst thing in the world. However, given my current profession, the reality is starting to hit me that I may have to consider shifting into something else because yeah. I, and I don't want to get into the whole aspects of the restaurant business, but I think everybody knows wow. it is not going to be what it has no. been and not for no. some time. And, no. and that's just the reality. Yeah. There's just no way that just, it can't, obviously it can't be again, barring a cure. Yeah. Let me ask you this, because this is interesting, because I, I cited something that you said. I had a, a fellow podcaster by the name of Patrick Bromley on the show a couple episodes ago. We were talking about video on demand, day and date releases. Mm -hmm. And I actually cited what you had said the very first time you and I talked almost five years ago. I can't believe mm -hmm. it's been that long. Uh, wow. Uh, where you, you, you projected a model where studios would release more and more movies day and date video on demand not the big marvel films not the right, big no. temples no of course not because you you you, you your analogy was a perfect when you said how can you continue to pay the same price for products that are cost so much more than the, each other? Like you wouldn't pay 10,000 for a BMW, you'd pay 70,000 for a BMW, yet you pay the same ticket price for each movie no matter what that movie costs. And That's right. And and that was a you you predicted that was going to happen. Now, I don't think any of us could have foreseen, you know, the catalyst that caused it to happen, but I think it was I think it was well on its way to happening anyway. So my first question to you, Phil, is when you look at a company like Disney, yep, their theme parks are closed. Their only revenue source, as far as I can tell, and please correct me if I if I leave anything out, is the Disney Plus streaming service, which from what I understand wasn't going to be profitable for three to five years. Correct. Because they sold three-year memberships at a discounted rate and, and 40, 50% of the people signed up for that. And then there's their video on demand distribution. And that's, that's it. That's yeah. so so yeah. Maybe maybe a trickle of income from you know ESPN and ABC sure. yep. right are still bringing in some commercial income, but not enough to offset costs. So at a loss, but still there is some income. There's zero income from the parks, right? Correct. And and you know that's that's like your restaurant that's closed. Yep. That poor restaurant owner is getting zero income. That's what they're getting from the parks. They're getting a little bit of income from ESPN, although clearly not at the prices that they were able to sell before for their ads. Same thing with ABC. So there is a trickle there, but the point still is that that's just going to become worse and worse and worse, unfortunately on both of those, because uh, the product that they were supposed to be shooting now for the fall is not being shot. So it's a fascinating scenario for Disney. Uh, I mean, again, fascinating, but not in a, not in a, <laughs> Not in a nice way. I don't mean this in a positive sense, but it's fascinating the challenge they face. So 
let's get back to your, your day and date question. So if you're Disney and you've got Mulan, which by all accounts is very good, um, you know, the early, early reviews and people that saw it said, actually said it was terrific and, and all that. So, you know, you've got something that could have been maybe another billion dollar Disney hit. All right. So think about it. If they open up every movie theater in the world come August 1st, I would just guess that attendance would be 50%. Okay. And even then, no one's going to go into a full theater. So, the theaters themselves have to, you know, police the amount. So if a theater holds 500 people, they say whatever kind of the rules people have figured out. They say, we'll let 200 in. Now you're sitting in that theater. You hear some coughing. You hear some sneezing. Everyone's got masks on. You think to yourself, really? For a movie? I love movies, but is it worth dying for? Yeah. Is it worth going to the hospital for? Is it worth bringing home to my grandmother? Is it worth infecting my my children, my mate, my ah, Mulan can wait. Mulan's going to come out and I'm going to be able to see it at home. And so I think that you're going to have half the box office at best, at best. And then that's going to drop very, very quickly, not grow because we both know that with the marketing, the biggest amount of money that comes in, the highest percentage of the gross is the first weekend because the onslaught of marketing, then it drops from there. What you would have to hope for at a 50% attendance would be that 50 then, and then it would stay at 50 again, that basically you'd have full houses, even though they're only half full, but by the new term of full house, the new, the new definition of full house, you would be, but we all know it would go from full to 40 to 30 to 20 to percentage from that original 50%. So now you're getting 50 cents on your, on your dollar, your normal box office dollar for a Disney opening. And, and, you know, I think it could even be worse than that, yeah. especially initially, since they're saying Black Widow or Mulan would be first out of the gate. Would you want to take an asset that you know is a billion dollar asset and just say, all right, we'll accept 350, 400 million. It cost you 200 to make. It cost you 200 market. By the way, it already spent a ton of marketing on Mulan. Yeah. And now you got to remarket it again. That's just money lost. And, you know, that the, you know, uh, so. Now you're, you know, you're going to lose a couple hundred million dollars on the release of Mulan, maybe more. So you have a choice. You can do what Universal did with the Fast and the Furious movie, right? They just immediately said 2021, next one year, forget it. We're not even messing with this. We know, and and I'm, by the way, knock on wood for them because I want the movie business to survive. That even that even what it was at March twenty to March April May whenever they're going twenty twenty one, that people will still be going to movies and feel safe. I don't know. I don't know. We none of us knows. So I just don't see it. I don't see Black Widow coming out this year. Um, I don't see Milan coming out this year. The cost, the sunk cost, is just too high in movie theaters now. Do they bite the bullet and do what, uh, actually, I think it was Universal as well, did with Trolls and just say, game on, we're going to Disney Plus and we're charging full fare if you want to join Disney Plus from now on. No more freebies, no more half prices, because guess what? Disney Plus for the month is less than, I think, half of a ticket to Mulan. Yeah. You know, the tickets in, in my area are like 14 bucks. I mean, it's, you know, so... What is it? Seven bucks or yep. six ninety nine to do? Yeah. So you get a you get you get Mulan and all the other stuff for half a ticket price. Now maybe you say 
maybe Disney Plus goes with a pay-per-view. Maybe they say, you want to see Milan? You know, for instance, it's what Apple does, right? When you, if you want to see a movie right away on Apple, they charge you more for the rental, right? Nowadays. So they'll charge you 20 bucks for rental instead of $3.99 or $5.99 or whatever their, their prices are, because they know you're trying to watch it now rather than later. So maybe you take Mulan and maybe you take uh, a Black Widow and you say, it's a 30 buck pay-per-view for the first two months. Then maybe it drops to 15, then maybe it drops to 10, then maybe it drops to five. So whatever windows their, their research tells them they can do. But I just don't see how you can even go, okay, phew, if we just hold out and we just open all the theaters, they'll come back like before. We'll have that, you know, $160 million opening in North America. You know, again, I could be wrong, but I just don't, I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of fear about going back into enclosed spaces or even open spaces with large groups of people. So I think that they're faced with some really tough decisions based on what they've sunk into these movies pre-pandemic. The really interesting question, I think, is where does it go post-pandemic? So now let's say you want to make a new Star Wars movie. And those things average between 175 and 250, depending upon which one you're doing. Let's just call it 200 million. Because I think that's at least what they all cost in, in reality, when it's all with all the effects and stuff they end up having to do and do over and over and over and blah, blah, blah. So reshoots and all that kind of stuff. They always do. Can you spend $200 million on a movie, you know, the box office potential has shrunk 40% for that film. You, you, so now you say, well, we, we were expecting a billion. We know going in, we'll make 600 at best, at best. That's the equivalent of your at best version. Yeah. And uh, we have to give 300 of that away to the theater owners. In essence, maybe it's 40%. So say even 200. So, you know, now what we've got, you know, I don't know, 350, whatever. We're, we're lucky to break even. So can you afford to spend $200 million on a movie anymore? To me, down the road, if this thing continues just to drag on, those will become some, kind of the interesting questions, won't they? Yeah. Because it's just, it's just um, plain, it's just economics 101. If, if you make something that's too expensive and you can't make your money back, well, you've got to change either the way you make the thing or stop making them. You know, and the thing is, when we're talking about the video on demand aspect, from what I've been reading, you mentioned sort of like a, you know, for argument's sake here, a 50-50 revenue split between the theater box office and the studios. Right. I know, I know sometimes it can be a little higher, it can be a little less. It's negotiated. And usually the, the bigger, the bigger the movie, the better the studio does, from what I understand as far as that negotiation. But what I was reading was that with the video on demand, the revenue split is 80-20 in favor of the studio. Mm -hmm. And you look at the, even though there's not hard numbers, by all estimates, Trolls World Tour did 90 million its first weekend uh, on its video on demand release. Ni mm -hmm. 90 million. So there is, there's a market there. I think there's a market there. Of course there, there is. Yeah. And, and, of course there is. And, and they're going to find out that they, whether they, whether they like the fact that that's their new market or not, it's the market. It's the market. It's the market. It's just, it's like who, I, I mean, my, if I had to guess, I think you're going to see, shrinkage of you know maybe half or more of the available movie theaters in the world or certainly in north america and and possibly more than half and i think that box office i mean i'm sorry for that business but it was you know it's getting squeezed and squeezed as we progressed 
Anyway, um, there will always be room for theatrical experience in films. You know, look, you know, traditional theater has been around for hundreds of years and still exists. But and that will be the same thing for traditional movie theaters. They will exist and there will be a, a group of people who want to pay extra to go have that experience. But I think the current you know, situation is unfortunately going to undermine the economics so radically. It's like a forest fire. You know, it's literally like a fire is going to rip through the entertainment business. And, you know, some of the force will survive and some won't, but it's going to be a pretty big fire. It's already started. It's out of control. There's no way to stop it. It's going to affect production. It's going to affect distribution. It's going to affect earnings. It's going to affect, affect profits and loss. And I just read a, a article that came out today by this, this um, analyst named Nathanson, who, who said, you know, that he thinks there's going to be a consolidation in the studios like there was in the music business. There were six record companies consolidated to three majors. He was saying that, you know, Disney and AT&T, because they've got, you know, HBO and Warner Brothers and, you know, the, the ATT income. But, uh, you know, it felt like Universal... I mean, Universal has NBC, been the Peacock thing, but they felt like, you know, Universal, Paramount, Lionsgate, MGM, Sony, you know, that they're all going to maybe have to, you know, consolidate to survive this. I mean, Fox is gone. You'll say, oh, my gosh, really? How could that be? Fox is gone. Gone. Okay. So it's not far-fetched. It's not far-fetched at all that they just, you know, that Paramount and Sony say, let's, let's pull this together and Lionsgate says, pull it all together and we've got to make our own, you know, system, et cetera. You know, because if, if, if box office drops overall 50% worldwide for the next year or two, just in general, th- the movie business doesn't work. The economics don't work flat out. Except for in a VOD platform with, Correct. with sm- substantially smaller That's budget or films. So they get driven to that. Yeah. No, I'm not saying, yeah. I'm not saying to, to, it doesn't work. Uh, filmmaking doesn't work or right. filmed entertainment doesn't work, but I'm talking box office as the engine. Yes. That kind of drives or, or I should say, you know, put, you know, um, the, box office has always been the locomotive engine that kind of pulls everything else behind it. And I think what they're going to find out is it will be an aug- an augmented, you know, uh, kind of income, but it won't be that that locomotive anymore. And that yes, on demand, you know, or streaming or whatever way they end up distributing that that makes the most financial sense vis a vis how much it costs to make the films. Um, I think that could end up being a really interesting thing too. So if you suddenly know. We won't know this for a year or two. And, and again, maybe it'll bounce back. Maybe it'll be a V-safe recovery. And maybe everyone will be rushing back and everything will be back to normal in 2022. That, that could be. That could be. But um, there's going to be a lot of damage done by this fire between yeah. now and then. You know, and, and can people hold out for two years? You know, I know these companies can't. We all know these companies can't. Um, the retailers can't. The restaurants can't. The sports teams, that's going to get interesting. You know, some can, some can't. It's going to be so, you, you know, you have to adjust. And I think that that the adjustment is going to be to streaming and they'll have to find out what is how, what's the max out in streaming. Right. So we know what the max out in. What did the last Avengers do? Like a billion six or two billion. What, what was the last Avengers? I didn't look in a while. The but last Avengers Endgame did. I want to say it was about two point four. Like it. Okay, Two point four. OK. Yeah. So, so, you know, that's the max out you can do worldwide on a theatrical feature 
So they'll find out what that number would be with, I don't know, you know, whatever Avengers is a pretty, pretty specific, but, but a movie or two or three in the, they're supposed to be toward a billion. They'll, they may not announce the numbers, but they'll know internally what the max out is. And once you know what your max and then what your average will be, because obviously the average is not 2.4 billion. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you'll go, okay, well, we can't pay these actors this way. We can't pay the crews this way. We can't pay posts this way. We can't pay, like, all it, it, it stands to reason that all the uh, rates will have to drop um, in order to, you know, make it financially viable for movie studios. I'm not talking about Netflix. I'm not talking about Amazon. I'm not talking about, you know, Apple and I'm not talking about even Disney Plus. I'm talking about movies that were designed to make the majority of their money in the theatrical experience. That is going to change. I mean, I just I don't you know, maybe it'll come back and maybe, you know, like the forest will grow back in five years from now, all those prices will be right back where they were and all the grocers will be back up to a billion and two billion. Um, so that 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 could happen. But there's going to be a period of time. And then often, I'll tell you this, though, once things once things go down, conglomerates tend not to like them to go back up to the way they were. So we'll see. Yeah. Read an interesting article yesterday, and then I saw a big YouTuber talking about this. Here in Florida, there's an AMC movie theater that, well, let me backtrack. Uh, AMC, which has been teetering on the brink of bankruptcy since yes. all of this has been going on because their, their A-plus service is just now becoming profitable, but they, they spent hundreds of millions renovating theaters and, and, and they're, they're, they're in debt. They're in debt. Yep. So they sent out a basically company-wide letter to all the landlords of all the properties that they lease from saying that, you know, due to the coronavirus, we're not able to pay the rent for this specific month or the next month or forever, however long this is going on for, uh, we want to be able to work with you. Let's come to an agreement. I mean, I'm just paraphrasing kind of what what this was. Uh, There is a mall here in Florida uh, where one particular AMC theater leases out uh, space at the tune of $52,000 per month. The landlord, I'm just going to say the mall, the landlord of the mall, the the company that runs the mall mm-hmm. has filed a $7.2 million lawsuit against that specific AMC because mm-hmm. there is legal doctrine that says that if you enter into an agreement and a, a lease uh, and you default on even one month, you have shown uh, just cause that you'll default on the entire lease. Sure. So their lease was like three or four years. They're now suing that particular AMC for the total amount of their lease plus damages that will incur because that property will have to reconfigure that that theater. They're going to have to rebuild, do construction to, to, to change it to whatever else it becomes. I mean, it's this total mess. And that's one one. AMC theater. Yeah. Are theaters going to survive this? That's the big question. I mean, are, are, I mean, how do, I think the days of well, the 16 or 20 screen multiplex are done for at least a long time now. I would tend to agree with you. I don't, uh, I don't see how you can keep a business solvent when you have zero income and tremendous physical overhead. Yeah. And like you just said, these long-term leases and landlords who are not going to give you a break and banks who are not going to give you a break. And the kind of infusion of government cash is not enough. It hasn't gone to a lot of places it should go. And and certainly, you know, no one's going to view movie theaters as essential. Yeah. You know, they're not. Just like no one's going to view as much as we love sports, it's not essential. 
society can continue on in a very healthy manner without professional sports, not sports for kids, but professional sports. The same thing for movie theaters and filmed entertainment. Even if all filmed entertainment stopped today, never, no more ever got produced again. Um, there's a lot to still watch. You could, you could pretty much spend, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 years going through everything that's out there. If you, I guess, suppose not if you're doing it all day, every day, but you know what I mean? And, and I think that, that it, it's not the end of the world. What's the end of the world is we, do we run out of food? You know, do we run out of, uh, you know, if does they stop pumping water to, to, you know, does your, do you lose your house? I mean, those are all, you know, essential things that we need to survive. And unfortunately, it's not even unfortunate. The, the truth is entertainment is not essential. It's yeah. non-essential. You know, entertainment used to be whoever's the best storyteller around the campfire. That was entertainment. Yeah. And then there were books and plays. There were probably plays before books, you know, people enacting these little pantomimes and, and, uh, you know, so people acting out stories and people telling stories and, you know, the book will always be around. There always, there's a ton of filmed entertainment already in existence. Um, at your, you know, geez, my kids, my kids, my, my 10 year old is like, well, one of the good things is daddy is that our, the YouTubers that we like, they just, you know, play video games and record themselves playing video games so they can do that at their home. So they're not going to go out of business. <laughs> And I promise you, he'd rather watch those gamers playing Minecraft with a little corner of them in the corner, the little, you know, the guys in the corner, you listen to their voice, then watch a movie. Yeah. How do I know that? Because I offer them movies all the time. They go, will we have time to watch our, U our YouTube after? I mean, seriously, Dana, they are fine. We can wrangle them into a movie. It is not their first choice or their second choice or their third choice. Yeah. They kind of don't care. And imagine for someone who grew up like the magic of movies and wanting it to, you know, my dream uh, to have my children just be like, eh. yeah, no, they I never ask. They never ask for a movie ever. When I was their age, Phil, I would, my parents would do the weekly grocery shopping every uh -huh. Saturday. There was a video, a mom and pop's video store in the strip mall mm -hmm. of the grocery store. I would go with them, not because I want to be in the grocery store, because I would walk the the aisles Correct. of this video just, store and just, just look. the boxes. Just look. Just the box, the posters. Just look. They were magical. There they were. That's exactly There's it. your favorite actor. There's your yeah. favorite actress. There's old. Oh, look, that's a funny one. Oh, look, there. oh, look, there's Bill Murray. Oh, look, there's Bruce Willis. Oh, look, there. Yeah. Oh, my God. So awesome. Oh, the new James Bond movie. And now they're like, mm. like, you want to see Toy Story 4? Mm. What would you rather do? Can we do our computers? Seriously. Yeah. That's, that's, and I, and I don't begrudge them. I mean, you know. It's like, it's kind of like, you know, the, we used to sit around and listen to the radio and these damn kids now, they want to watch that TV all day. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Every generation has their new thing and, and, and they love it. And I've gotten engaged in it. I've learned about it. I know who their people are. I watch some of the stuff with them. I, because I'm not going to be that dad. It's like, I don't know, it's movies or nothing, you little bastards. I mean, I, you know, it's like, no, if they don't dig it, they don't dig it. Like life goes on, like, you know, but, but you got to remember, it's not an essential item. We don't need it to live. So if movie theaters go away, away, which I don't think they'll go away, but are they going to get cold? Are they going to, are the amount of them you know, going to drop? Yes, they are. They are. They can't withstand this hit financially for very long. And I just don't think there's going to be a lot of banks willing to float them because they're doing the same math you and I are doing in this podcast, which is 
at 50% of the income, <laughs> it's not sustainable. Yeah. And there is another avenue by which to distribute your material. Look, Bob Iger saw the writing on the wall. Okay. He knew. He says, it's Disney Plus or nothing. He has said multiple times, go ahead and do it. The most important initiative in the entirety of Disney is Disney Plus. If we don't make Disney Plus work, we will not survive and compete in the way we, you know, we need and want to. They will be a legacy entertainment company rather than a leading entertainment company. And again, you know, they're going to take a huge hit on their parks. They're going to take a huge hit at ESPN, which was a giant moneymaker for them. They made more money off ESPN than ABC by a lot. And, and they're going to, you know, they're not going to have Monday night football. I'm sorry to say, you know, I mean, think about NBC is not going to have Sunday night football. Yeah. It's the number one rated show in America every single year for like the past five years. Yeah. So, you you know, so advertisers are going to be like, I'm not paying that money for reruns. I'm not paying. And then, by the way, advertisers can't produce new ads. You've seen these new ads on the air like I have. I mean, they're all done with an iPhone. And and, and they're kind of fun and charming the first few times. <laughs> and then after a while, you're like, I get it. Facebook did one. Coke did one. Apple did one. Nike did one. You know, it's like, we get it. You called everyone you knew with iPhones and you said, do something fun at home. And we'll cut it together and say, let's stick this. We're all in it together. We're all going to stick. Okay, we get it. That's great. You did it. But at the same, at the end of the day, you're still trying to sell your crap. And that ain't going to last for long. So, oh my God, you should see the commercial business. Are lo they're losing their minds because they're like, how are we going to make commercials? It's going to be a huge drain on the entertainment business. And what people don't realize is that commercials are what fuel television. So if you're getting free TV and you like that, commercials fuel it. If you can't make commercials, which always are faster and quicker and earlier than the actual content, and then you can't make the content, and then the viewers are dropping off. Why? Because they're all switching off onto onto streaming you got a big big like set of dominoes falling on you that are really tough to reverse really tough is there the fear do you think what's preventing disney from sort of quote unquote pulling the trigger on releasing some of these things vod is piracy a big concern for them i wouldn't know about that i mean perhaps i gotta believe at this point in time not so much yeah. i gotta i i really gotta believe that like my god if they haven't figured that out by now yeah i mean some kid's gonna figure out a screen grab it and blah 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 blah. but i mean does it peel off 20 percent? no I can't, I mean, not in the, like the old days, yeah. you know, you just got to believe that encryption is to the point where if Disney hasn't figured out encryption, no one's figured out encryption. Well, right? I'll, <laughs> well I'll tell you what's interesting. What's interesting is I am, um, I have a, at my restaurant, we have a, a corporate, corporate banquet room where we do business dinners and whatnot. And when we closed, we, we had some, some tools for the projector. And one of them was just an HDMI iPhone lightning adapter. I don't have Apple TV at my house, but I like to, I like to watch, you know, sometimes for whatever reason, uh, I'll put YouTube on my phone sure, or HDMI, whatever. So yeah, I cool. also, I also have, it's in case the internet goes out or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I've got that plug. Okay. Just for example, we'll just use the numbers. HDMI one is my Xbox. HDMI three is the iPhone lightning adapter that happens to be plugged into my phone. All right. right. This is just want to paint the scenario for you. I go on my Xbox to rent a movie from the Microsoft store. I go through to purchase the movie or to rent the movie. 
it denies the purchase because somehow or another it knows through whatever oh. digital technology that I have some type of HDMI ad adapter yep. plugged into my iPhone. And All it, the way it, to your individual home. Yes. So it knew. They it, don't want you to record the movie on yeah. your iPhone. Yes. Oh, oh my God. I So for co commercials all the time, they want reference, right? And so you know, I go, oh, there's this great reference in this movie or that movie or whatever. You cannot steal the reference with the DDRM, you know, that you off a stream or download to save your life. Yeah. I mean, I, I finally figured out a way with some very old software on a very old computer because, you know, to, to just to grab stuff here and there, but it's insanely painful. And, um, you know, you, you can still rip any DVD. I mean, that's yeah. the truth. You can burn, you can rip any Blu-ray, any, even those Academy movies can be, DVDs can be ripped. Everyone's ripped. Everything's rippable, but streaming and, and V, you know, VOD, super, super hard. And yeah. they, they get, so to me, no, I would say, I would say, I don't read about that being, uh, the big concern. The big concern is strictly financial, meaning if you've got someone paying for every, paying six bucks for everything versus 14 bucks for an individual film, well, I mean, the math is very obvious, right? You, you're just losing so much potential income bumping a $200 million movie straight to straight to streaming. And, and, you know, I really wish they had been more open and honest about trolls. You know, and I like to think that if trolls was, holy cow, we did as we did, you know, somewhat comparably to, to what we'd have done. We predicted 110 theatrically. We did 95. Now we didn't even have time to promote it, that it was going to be that way. It just kind of happened. It just dropped. That's big news. Why would Universal hold that back? So I thought to myself, huh, it must not be overwhelmingly positive because they're kind of leaking out tidbits about it, but they're not crowing. They're saying number one watched, right? But right. that doesn't mean box office. They said it's the highest viewed VOD release we've ever, you know, streaming release we've ever had. But that doesn't mean money in the bank, right? So if they could have said, wait a second, this works, that would have been big news. So, and I would assume their marketing department would have been, like I say, you know, crowing from the mountaintop about how they'd done it. So it, I think that, that biting the bullet, back to your question about Disney, just saying, why don't we just go for it? I think it's strictly financial. They've run the numbers. They know what they can do. They know. There's, there's so many versions. They can go, oh, the highest end we'll do is X. The moderate is Y and the low end is Z. And I'll bet you the highest end doesn't get them there into profit. Yeah. Or they would just do it. Yeah. Why, if it works, why wouldn't you just do it? I mean, you know, and, and begin, you know, just say, we're going to be, it's going to be our first big, da, 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 you know, announcement. And this is going to be our first straight theatrical, da, 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 da make a huge deal out of it because they they know the reason they're holding out for now is because they got to know internally the numbers don't crunch right but if they'd made mulan for 75 million and not 200 and by the way i don't know that mulan cost 200 million i just like to use that because it's easy but if they'd made mulan for for half price or less let's say 75 million i bet the numbers could work you see but this, you can't currently make the same $200 million movie for $75 million unless you drop everything by more than half when you go make it. Okay. Who's making money? 
I saw that Netflix gained 16 wow. million subscribers in the month of March. They did, and their stock went down. It went down. The next day. Yes, it did. And the reason for that was they were very honest. It was really interesting. My hat was off to them. As a person who owns some Netflix stock, I was very, uh, well, frankly, not anymore. I sold all my stocks because who the heck wants to play that crazy, yeah. crazy casino right now? Enough is enough, right? I don't trust any of those people, quite frankly. But anyway, back to, um, I, 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 you know, they, you know, Reed Hastings and, and Sarandos, they said, look, I hate to put it this way, but of all the scenarios you could ever concoct, this is the peak opportunity for people to get Netflix. This is it. There are no movies. There are no sports. Television is basically reruns. So if you aren't getting Netflix now, you're probably not getting Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Unless unless you're unless you're 14 and you don't need to get it in five years, you'll get it because you've moved out of your parents' house. But basically, all the people who want and can afford Netflix today have it. So they've plateaued, is what they're Correct. saying. Okay. They just peaked. Okay. And they're saying, let's agree. That if the economic crunch continues, more people will let Netflix go because it becomes an expenditure. Like I just said earlier, entertainment, filmed entertainment is not essential. So if it's a difference between paying your rent or having something to eat that night and Netflix, it's a pretty easy choice. So they're saying now it's okay because people still had the money. When people start looking at their bills, start saying, how do I whack this down? They start taking out recurring costs. And they said, so we will see domestically shrinkage of that number. And, you know, so don't think it's going to be 16 this time, 20 more next time, 30 more next time, but we probably just plateaued. And for all, you know, I thought that was really real. I thought, you know, good for them because they could have been like crowing. Oh, we did it. This is what we're crunching them. We're killing it. This is the best quarter ever. And they went, eh, let's be honest. This is the, the, for our business, you literally couldn't create a stronger driver to our product. Yeah. And, and so, and by the way, their international was from what I read kind of flat. It didn't grow. It didn't grow much at all. So again, like all those people, tons of them are in lockdown. But they they maybe were being a little more conservative financially and weren't ready to spend the extra money. So um, and I think there is a probably a greater sense throughout the world that <laughs> filmed entertainment is not essential than yeah. it is in America. I mean, the amount of people talking about I'm just streaming and watching and binging, and I'm like, oh my God, everybody, is that all you can do is binge? All yeah. you can do is stare at a screen? Holy crap. Um, but anyway, that you know, there is an obsession with that currently in all these shows. And so it's pretty interesting. I mean, I thought, wow, that's true. I mean, if you can't get someone on board now, what would? I never thought about it like that, but that makes perfect sense. I think the only way that it, it does grow, though, what they didn't say was, well, what if the movie business falls off a cliff and, and doesn't come back? Like, it just can't ever recover in the way it was. There will be less product. The product will be less spectacular because of costs. The product will become more moderately produced. And... Then at that point, the specialness of the theatrical gets reduced. It's not as it's not as unique, and suddenly just people completely migrate to the TV screen or their, you know, laptops or their phones, and and uh, you know that I still believe is the evolution of where we're headed, even without the pandemic. I still believe that the theatrical cost of theatrical experience 
and the the um, the kinds of films that make financial sense in the theatrical business model are just few and far between. They just are. And and you can't count on Marvel, Star Wars, DC, and a few franchises to support an entire industry. It just won't work. It's an interesting thing you said about everyone sort of gravitating towards tablets and phones because – just this last week, I signed up for the three-month free trial of Quibi, the new sure. the new phone-only streaming yeah. service. And I thought that was really interesting because I, it wasn't until somebody actually told me, because I watched a couple episodes of The Most Dangerous Game, or, you know, I just, it's, I'm, the jury's still out for me on how I'm liking episodes that are 10 minutes or less, because frankly, I've got time to watch a full hour long episode if they yeah. wanted to do that. Oh, but, it's so ironic yeah. that just, they release it just when everyone has more time yeah. on their hands than so, ever before. So what, but I thought was interesting is you cannot, they, when they say phone only, I tried to HDMI it to my TV, wouldn't work. I tried to take a screenshot of what I was watching to send it to a friend of mine saying, hey, this is something I'm watching. You know, here's a screenshot from the most dangerous game. Download Quibi. This is really cool. It, the screenshot was black. Right. Like they, they, they're they phone only. I didn't try it, but I read about that issue and about everyone going, what? I mean, and again, in that case, they must be concerned about piracy on some level, right? Yeah. Because they are they didn't have – the kind of encryption you just described from your Xbox um, that that would have protected it, you know, with an HDMI out, and um, <clears throat> or they didn't want screen grabs because maybe they didn't have the encryption to protect you from, you know, recording it on your screen. Yeah. For whatever reasons as well, which by the way, every other streaming service does. Like if you go on to Netflix and you try or Amazon and you try to rekit the record, you know, screen record, you yeah. get a black screen. Yeah. You cannot record onto an iPad or a, or a cell phone, uh, any kind of streaming service that I know of. Um, and that includes Apple TV on and on down, you know, Apple down, even if you download it and you own it, you can't record it off the screen. Um, you might be able to get screen grabs if you own it, but, but maybe, but you can't, you can't record the sound and the thing and all that. So you can't rip it off. So, and duplicate it. So I just was like, Quitty, you got $2 billion in investment. You couldn't figure out how people want to pop it up on a, a bigger, like an iPad or a, a or a, because it's just phone, right? It won't even go on an iPad. Is that right? I, I, I have not tried it on my iPad. I believe it's phone only. Definitely can't lightning adapter to HDMI into my TV. Maybe it goes can't on be done. I don't know. But I know this and people were freaking out. Now they've since announced they're going to make it so you can. So, you know, right now is they're scrambling to get the encryption, you know, built in so that you can't, you know, copy it in essence, screen grab it. Because exactly what you said, all these people are like, I, I want to post about the show I liked and I can't even screen grab and say, check this out. And I thought, wow, that is really surprising. <laughs> yeah, because I, I <laughs> would have really tweeted, surprising. I've got uh, my my podcast uh, Twitter page is 30, 32,000 followers. Wow, I that's awesome. I, I would have posted a screenshot of what yeah. I was watching and that's free marketing. It's crazy. To 32,000 people. Absolutely crazy and nutty. And I just don't know what the heck was going on there. Um, I see their head of marketing stepped down two days ago. Oh, all right. Yep. All right. Head of marketing stepped down. And uh, so, uh, you know, maybe maybe that's part of the reason why. I didn't think that through. But I don't know why, how that would be marketing's fault. But, but the you know, I, I again, I think that I do believe that theatrical will be an experience. But I think that. You're 
there is this trickle down that's about to occur in the film business that no one wants to acknowledge. And there's good reasons why, you know, we can't live in a completely sky is falling pessimistic environment. Like we're not designed to think that way um, as human beings. And so you want to believe that there's going to be a way, particularly here in America where it's like, can do solve it, fix it, do it. But I'll tell you, man, I've seen some of these um, memos that have gone out in our industry about how we might restart production. And I have never seen more cockamamie, crazy, impossible to execute schemes in my life. Can you cite a couple examples of what you're hearing? Everyone would be in masks and protective gear. Um, You would be tested before you came onto the set every morning. Like, like there's like, that's going to be available to all shoots around the world. Like there's going to be enough testing and it'll be fast enough. They'll add an hour and a half to the morning. You'll get tested. You're allowed in. If you're clear, you put on your protective gear. Everyone's in like literally like Andromeda strain. Everyone's in their biohazard suits, except, and this is my favorite part, the actors. (laughs) There it is. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I mean, and you were all like, (sighs) here we go. Yeah, for all of you out there, no, we're fine. We're fine. There's no reason to be concerned. You know, so we've all got our respirators on. And meanwhile, your $20 million movie star is out in front, like naked, essentially, with 200 extras around them and their fellow co-star who they don't know where they've been the night before. And your other, right? And they're all about to do their big family dinner scene. And you've got, you've got the actor, right? Who's got, who's like the spitter, you know, the guy, like, you know, some actors really like kind of, shall we say, fraud a little bit. And they're spitting across the table. Then you're supposed to take a piece of the drumstick and eat your turkey dinner. I just see... Cut, forget it, I'm out of here. There's just no way. And and they've been saying, oh, or another idea. We could put up a plastic barrier like at the supermarkets between the camera and the actors. So they, I'm like, what, like a 20 foot by 30 foot plastic barrier that would carry around? And put, I'm like, this is, you, you guys, I mean, you, and also talk about a business where you need to see someone's face yeah. and eyes and express, like for me as a director, Someone's got to see the emotion that I'm giving them and I'm getting back and the whole, I mean, you know, they were saying, and if you couldn't shoot on location, just we would shoot everything on green screens in a controlled and completely sanitized soundstage. Then all sets would be constructed in CG and all, you know, and, and everyone would be acting on green screens. And I go, well, like what, one at a time? You know, so if you're doing a scene with somebody, I do my side of the scene. Then I have a mark, and then like 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 those movies where you're where they have like three character, one guy playing the three characters, yeah. right? Yeah. You know? So I'm acting with myself, you know. So so then I have to go over to the other part of the scene and the other part of the scene, but that would be like for all the actors. And then would we have the extras go through one at a time, or would they be CG too? And here's my favorite part, boy, that would go fast. You'd really be able to rip through eight pages a day like they do on TV, right? <laughs> Every day, sure. That you know, add like double the cost of of shooting and then there's one little thing called insurance and they're saying insurers won't insure the shoots against COVID-19 because it's a now a known risk and when you have a known risk they won't insure for known risks yeah so like if you go shoot on the edge of a volcano they're like it's kind of a known risk that that volcano could go off and kill you, you fall in so no we won't insure you for that so they say okay you can't get insurance 
So then every single person would have to write, uh, sign a document indemnifying the company against them getting it and getting sick and dying or a family member, et cetera. And um, so, you know, I it kind of does always tends to things tend to circle back to money as we're seeing with this. Let's open up early thing. Right. It circles back to money and ultimately the cost will skyrocket and people will sue anyway. And I would love to see how many movie stars say to themselves, hmm, I feel so desperate to play this part that I'm going to go risk my life for it and my loved one's lives. Uh, or I could stay alive, stay rich, stay famous and sit out for a year. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, actors take a year off all the time. Jennifer Lawrence just did it. I mean, they do it. They go, I'll take it. Yeah, no problem. Hang out, stay on Instagram, stay relevant, do stuff here and there, do some charity work, hang out. But there's no part in any film being made today. I don't care if it's pure Shakespeare that that's worth dying for. Yeah. Give me a break. Who's kidding who? This is ridiculous. I understand everyone needs to, wants to go back to work and make money and produce. But you guys, there's a death. There, there's a pandemic out there that's killing. I don't know. It depends on the rate. You know, one out of 100 up to four out of 100. I don't know. Maybe it's higher than that. Maybe it's 20 out of 100. Who the heck knows? But I just don't see production coming back. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They say, well, craft service is gone, right? Because you couldn't have open food. All meals would be pre-packaged in pre-sanitized containers. And everyone would go to their separate area. So crews are like 150 people. Right. They're going to all stay six feet apart at all times and shoot a scene. I don't know if you've ever you know, been on a set or seen how people work. It's like you're basically on each other's backs riding around like piggyback. It's so tough. You know. I'm the camera operator is right next to the focus puller is right next to the director is right next to the grip is right next to the sound guy. Not to mention the actors, like I said, that are out there completely naked. What are they going to wear virtual masks? I mean, it's just so I get it. Everyone wants to try. Everyone wants to say, and, and they'll probably try. They'll probably try. Someone will try and someone will get sick. And then that'll be that. I don't think there's going to be new, you know, any, any kind of volume. Like I said, someone will try. Like you could, I thought one thing you could do is you could create those um, animated films can still go forward because oh, that can yeah. all be done individually. Um, but, uh, and all that, you know, ADR and recording could be done individually. Again, costs would go up because it would be harder. Um, but you could do it. And, but people don't realize like those Pixar movies cost $200 million, $175 million. Like those are super expensive movies to make. So it's not like they're quick, cheap anyway, but I just don't see the volume of production one needs to feed theatrical streaming and network TV getting back up to speed Not even, this year, not even remotely. I had my friend, her name is Annalise. She, I had her on the show uh, last week. She has worked at Skywalker Sound for the past 21 years. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm sure you've, I know you've been there. I, I, yeah, I've been there. I've mixed there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she was very, she said as much as she could, given the company she now works for. Yeah, yeah of course. But she said that they're very much not 100% sure what's going to happen. I mean, for all the reasons we're going over, she says, she says, you know, just in the sound thing, when the people are doing the mixes there, there's two, three people sometimes in those booths and in those rooms that they do. And, you know, how do you 
she says, how do you, how do you stop that? How do you change that when, when it's a it's job a communal, of two people? Yeah. yeah. It's a collaborative and communal job. It's not writing by yourself. It's not painting by yourself. It's, it's, you know, with hundreds and hundreds, look at the credits at the end of the movie, everybody. Yeah. If you're wondering, well, wait a second, come on, you could do it. Look at the credits at the end of an Avengers movie. It goes on for seven minutes. There are thousands of names. Can you keep all those people six feet apart or working remotely? The answer is no. If you took five years and spent double or triple the amount, the answer might be yes. Because like I said, shoot each person individually, the rest is CG, et cetera, et cetera, but not in the current in business environment, you could not. So, you know, I mean, um, I'm fascinated to see how this is gonna, gonna play out. Uh, again, one thing that we're, we're not take, I'm not taking into account is a, a really good therapeutic that makes people feel like, okay, it's more like, like, like is it the flu? You take a Z pack and you're going to yeah. be better. If that happens, then, 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 and that is consistent and, and, you know, no more, you're no, no more risk than catching the flu on the set. Then I'm completely wrong and it'll all come back. And, and if, right. I mean, yeah, then I mean, everyone goes, oh, I don't know how long it takes for people to feel that's true. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know how long it takes for, for, uh, Tom Cruise to go, yeah, yeah, I feel that that's true, that if I get sick, I take a Z-Pack and we keep shooting. But imagine if you're doing a four-month shoot, and even with all those protocols, and let's say your lead actor, supporting actor, you've shot half the movie, gets sick. What do you do? You shut down? You Everyone waits? What company is going to take that risk? Yeah. What? I mean, movies take three, four, five, six months sometimes to make. Big ones. And, and, and even if it takes 30 days, day 18, they drop out. That kind of movie can't shut down for two weeks and survive. Saves life. I know I have a good friend who uh, was producing the new Ridley Scott movie with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. They're oh. halfway through shooting in Ireland. Shut that puppy down. Huh. You know, Ridley's 83. Yeah. Can, Ridley, can Ridley risk getting sick? No. And is it worth it? Does he need it on his resume? No, that's such an easy equation for Ridley Scott. Another movie on my resume or potential death. Uh, I know which one I choose and I'm not even Ridley Scott, not even close. So it's it's like, you know, unless there's some therapeutics, we know the deal with a vaccine. And by the way, here's the other crazy thing about a vaccine. I got the flu shot this year. It doesn't mean I won't catch the flu. Yeah. People, I, I feel like some, there's some mistaken thing where vaccine equals cure like vaccine equals me i can't get it and i won't die no it just means you, you're either going to get a milder depending upon the vaccine right you'll have a milder case maybe but still 80, anywhere from 40 80,000 people die from the flu anyway so you 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 know i don't in america not even worldwide so i'm like uh it isn't even necessarily the vaccine ends this we'll find out but but let's hope it does. Let's hope the vaccine is incredible and gives you like a 90% chance that you wouldn't, you know, end up on a ventilator. Okay, great. Um, then maybe everyone sneaks back out. And over time, things come back. Shy of that, who, especially when you entertainment, you're talking about people who don't need to do it. Like Jason Bateman can survive without another season of Ozark. Yeah. Jason Bateman go, I'll do it in 2022. Heck, just, you know, I waited, what, two years for Better, Better Call Saul, yeah. right? I mean, I already waited two years for these, right? The Westworld takes two years to come back. It isn't like, and by the way, when it comes back, I get, what, eight episodes? 
you know, it, or, you know, whatever it is, it isn't like you go, you go, oh, every year I get my show. Nowadays, these really terrific shows, and I love Westworld, and I, uh, Better Call Saul to me is just oh, oh, insanely great. But they haven't shot their last season. And they're not going to shoot their last season until this blows over because none of those actors and those people need to risk it. Yeah. I don't care how bad AMC needs it. If they don't either. They'll be like, sorry, AMC, you work out your end. But uh, mm. it just to me, it makes, it's total common sense. There's one theater in America that is currently showing first run films. Oh, yeah. It won one theater in America. It's a drive in movie theater. And it's in my hometown here of Ocala, Florida, in Ocala, Florida. Oh, cool. The entire weekend box office gross last weekend was $5,000. And, and that was what was made at my local drive-in theater, which I won't go to. Even though they're they're keeping the cars six feet apart and the concession stand is through online ordering only and they bring it to your car. It, I'm not interested. But do you see, at least in the short term, the rise of the drive-in movie theater. Uh, well, they'd have to build them. You know, first they'd have to get the. They'd have to. I guess you could find parking lots that are going to be available yeah. these days, yeah. uh, particularly in you know uh, various locations. Maybe, maybe. But here's my qu- question: By the time you get in your car, load everyone up, drive over there, like you say, bring your own food or get food, pay your again your fourteen bucks. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Watch it through your windshield and the thing kind of far away. Is it really better than your home screen with surround sound? Exactly. Is it really? No. And I, it isn't. It isn't. There's very, very few movies I think made a year anymore that are even need to be seen in a theater. And if that's sacrilege, then that's sacrilege. But that's my opinion. There are a handful of films that I say, yeah. If that's your, even if it's not my cup of tea, I'd say, yeah, that's epic go see it, or that's been shot a certain way, or that's, it's really, but shy of, you know, there's just not that many movies I can honestly say anymore are made with a cinematic eye to, to the point where I'm like, oh man, you got to see it in the theater. I, there was literally, honestly, one movie that I genuinely said, huh, well, I'm really upset I'm not going to see that in the theater anytime soon. And that was the new Top Gun movie. Just because if you look yeah. at all the research that and what they're doing behind the scenes yeah. with that movie, like that is a movie that I don't care if it takes three years for it to come out. I want to see that IMAX. And, probably, yeah. and I think you'll have the chance to. Yeah. And I think you'll have a chance to. Like I'm saying, it'll be there if you're willing to go, wait, do the distancing, risk it, put on your mask, go in there. You'll know the stats by then. You'll know where COVID is by then. And, you know, I think you can. And I think you will unless they do it too soon and then you'll pass. But if they wait long enough, then, you know, like they did the Fast and Furious movie, there's a very good chance that if they do that, and I think they're going to wait, I think that you'll be able to, to see that. I mean, I can't, you know, they've still got the the Christopher Nolan movie scheduled for like July or something yeah. like that. And, and look, everyone knows how much he loves and adores the theatrical experience and defends it to the death. And I think that's great. But obviously, if he wants his film seen by people in a theater, he is going to have to push that release quite a bit. Because I just say, you know, I'm sorry that there is not, there are not enough cineasts in this country that are willing to risk it. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's supposed to be a kind of mild form of get out of the house, go on a date kind of entertainment. It's not meant to be a life or death decision. Yeah. It's not meant to be, is hmm, I could end up in the I mean, you know, if you got in an airplane and they said, just so you know, 
uh, two out of 100 people on this plane aren't going to make it. You'd be like, okay, thanks so much. I'll go to another plane. I'll take the bus. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But I mean, so coming in this movie theater, you know, you, you have a night, you know, 98 out of the 100 people in this theater are going to be fine. But just, you know, two people in this theater are going to die because they came today. All right, let's start the show. You just start, you just say to yourself, whoa, 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 what? Yeah. Watch and oh, but if you watch it at home, you're perfectly fine. I think I know the quick and easy answer to that. At least I would think. But, but, you know, it's a pretty, we live in a pretty surprising time that way. But, but I, you know, it's not essential. It's, it's, it, and it can be, and what's also interesting about it is not only it's not as non-essential, but it can be accessed in total safety. Yeah. You know what I've been doing, uh, twice a week, I've been doing a, a movie theater night at my house. Now there's oh, the, the rules to this are simple, threefold. Number one, I have to watch a movie I've never seen before. Cool. Okay. All right. I, I make my living room as dark as possible, have the surround sound set up. Number two, I have to make popcorn. Great. Okay. And number three, I turn my phone off. There you go. And so I'm trying to twice a week, trying to recreate the cinema That's experience awesome. for it. Good for you. Yeah. We've done that with our kids where um, we uh, we actually did that the other night with um, Call of the Wild. Yeah. You know, everything off, lights down. No one got their treats. We got it. We have a little treat bag of candy and we got to get their candy. We didn't make popcorn, but everyone got the candy. They even got sodas. We made it yeah. like they'd gone to the theater and they, they, by the way, they loved the movie. They, they, they really, I was actually surprised by how, how moving, uh, that for kids, you know, that, yeah. that, that movie, that movie is and was, and, and yeah, the dog is CG and that is what it is. But for them, they, they could care less. Like, you know, one of my kids was like, was that dog real or not? Like they don't even, you know, they don't even, you know, they're with, they go with it, which is sweet, but, um, that's great. That's great, Dana. I mean, I think you're keeping the tradition alive and, and people will. People people like us, people who love movies, they will. But I just am trying to be realistic about where, you know, where this is all heading. And, um, you know, certainly I just think, I think 2020 is over. Yeah. That's what I think. I think 2020 is over for sports. It's over for entertainment. It's over for all those things where you need large groups of people, whether it's to make it or or film it or enjoy it. And I just think that, you know, we're just going to take a year off or 10 months off and see where we are in 2021. And when it's all over with, we'll look back at this time and say, you know, there'll be there'll be tons of stories to tell. There really yeah. will. And yeah. and, uh, you know, and maybe we'll appreciate and maybe and maybe at least for a while until it wears off, we'll appreciate, you know, the special call, you know, the specialness of what we had and, yeah. and what, we're, what we're trying to get back. And and maybe we won't take everything uh, as much for granted as as we did prior to all this, but um, we'll see. Which I, by the way, I'll openly admit, I took a lot of things for granted. Yeah, and I sure recognize that now. Me too. Now. Of course. Uh, I'm gonna. I've dedicated tonight to sit down and watch the new series of amazing or the new amazing stories that are on the Apple TV Plus. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. directed two episodes, Santa mm -hmm. eighty five and the doll. Yes, which. Uh, again, listeners, if you've never watched them, I, I strongly urge you <laughs> seek them out. Have you had an opportunity to watch any of the new versions of Amazing Stories? I have not. I have not. Uh, I I just didn't. I uh, just haven't gotten to it. Um, not for any other reason other than that. And uh, I've only seen a few trailers, you know, a few teasers or trailers or whatever they've put out here and there. So I don't really have, uh, and I've read some reviews of some early episodes, but I haven't. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a. Unfortunately, I don't have a scintillating answer for you on that. I just have not gotten to it, and uh, I'm sure I will eventually. 
but there's been some other things that I've been more focused on. And probably, you know, if I had to think about it a little bit, it's probably a little bit of like going, you know, going to my past in some weird way, um, which is just seems so long ago. It feels like a different lifetime to me. San 85, though, was the very first thing I ever directed professionally uh, back in 1984. Um, and uh, yeah, so but I, I will. I will eventually. Um, but I just haven't gotten to it. OK. All right. Fair enough. I'll I'll check back with you on that one the next time next yeah time yeah, yeah, yeah uh before we wrap out i just i just want to tell you and gosh <laughs> i don't want to bring it back to to like what you just said as far as going back to your past but uh oh, no, that's okay. I introduced, that's okay i'm just talking about for, for for me to live it no i don't mind talking about it. i introduced my girlfriend she sat down and watched three o'clock high with me she had never <laughs> seen the movie before and that was our movie last night and she oh, absolutely man. loved it and i she wanted me to tell you when i was talking to you how much she loved the movie oh. so so I just want to let you know that's that's thanks. what we did last night. And oh, so, that's really cool. Oh, well, thanks to both of you. Yeah, it was fun. It was a fun one to make. Absolutely. It really was. Absolutely. Now that I don't mind. You know, that I'll see snippets of here and there. Sometimes it'll pop up in various places. And I, I definitely, you know, I had a lot more to do with the making of Three O'Clock High than I did the Amazing Stories. The Amazing Stories were kind of like built, done. I shot them. Sure. I learned a ton. Loved working with John Lithgow. Loved working, obviously, with Steven Spielberg and that whole team. Um, and, and it was a great way to get started, but they, they weren't kind of of me. They were just kind of assigned to me. And, uh, whereas, um, three o'clock high, I got to put a lot of my own personality into. And there was nothing more delightful for me as someone who's seen the movie several times to watch her reactions to certain things that were happening on <laughs> yeah. screen. The, the library sequence, by the way, I, I don't think yeah. she ever saw that coming. It was, it was terrific. <laughs> Those so, so Phil, it's been Awesome talking to you again. It's always a pleasure. I, I feel like you and I could sit down and probably talk for three or four hours. And maybe I think we could. Maybe one of these days we'll do one of these long form podcast episodes be because uh, what else do I have to do right now? Me too. <laughs> so, Me too. Just hanging out, pretending to be a school teacher. So if people want to check out your work, your website is uh, philjuanodirector.com. Excellent. And I'll, so my, my full name with director.com. Absolutely. And I will provide a link to that website in this episode show notes so phil thank you very much i'm glad you and your family are staying safe and uh i'm, I'm glad i got to talk to you and uh we're all going to get through this we're all in this together so i just really yep. appreciate you taking the time thank you absolutely oh thank you dana thoroughly enjoyed it as always absolutely thank you and my name is dana buckler and thank you so much for listening